Welcome to Locked On Blackhawks for Monday, October 21st, 2019. It's Jay Zawoski with you here as always. Forgive me, I'm a little bit under the weather. My voice is not great. Hopefully it maintains through to this show and the rest of the week, more importantly. Kirby Doc is upon us. The Blackhawks lose 5-3 to the Capitals. And it's Mailbag Monday. All that and more coming up on a very busy Lockdown Blackhawks. First, quickly want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Send me an email, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Send us a tweet. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Or leave a voicemail, 708-653-0572. That's what Ian Dowling from Wales did. And he'll be featured on Mailbag Monday today. Of course, rate, review, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever you get your podcasts, we're available. Tell a friend. A lot to get to after a busy Hawks weekend. And let's start with the loss to the Capitals. The Hawks lose 5-3. And it can be tempting to sort of live and die with every game and want to like rip your hair out after a loss and, and blow off fireworks after a win. I can't get too upset after this game. The Hawks played a hell of a game and just came up on the losing end. It was sort of a strange game where the Hawks had a lot of like kind of oddly bad luck things go against them. And of course, that's an excuse and it shouldn't really be used as an excuse, but it's true. You had Alex Dabrinkit with a great one-timer opportunity. His stick shatters and then moments later, the Caps have a two-on-one at the very beginning of a four-minute power play. Sticks were breaking all over the place on Sunday night, by the way. It was just crazy. I've never seen anything quite like it. The Brent Seabrook gets knocked down in front of the net by Hagelin. That could have been called a penalty, but maybe not. But then there's a wide-open Capitals player on the doorstep, and they score. Tom Wilson, it was just kind of a weird... Everything that sort of could go wrong for the Hawks did. We're going to get into the numbers, as we always do after a game. We're going to do the pluses and minuses and go down to number line uh, in our second segment. But some really encouraging things from the Hawks on Sunday. Uh, and let's start with Kirby Doc, because I know that's what's on everyone's mind. Started the game with Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane. And not a ton of production from uh, Kirby Doc tonight. You know, he played 13 minutes, which is, you know, pretty typical. Didn't get any special teams time, which is to be expected. Uh, had one shot attempt, which obviously you'd like to see more. Uh, from Kirby Doc in the shot attempt category. But look, it's his first NHL game. Uh, and you saw some of the things that indicate why they like him and why they picked him at three. Obviously, he has the size. He does not shy away from physical play. If anything, I think he can sort of seek it out too much. I, I wish he'd do a better job at sort of avoiding some of the physical contact. James Navo and I talked about that on the Madhouse podcast uh, this weekend. If you missed that, make sure you check that out. I'd like to see him try to avoid more contact, but in the first period, takes a puck away, sets up Patrick Kane beautifully. He's got the knack. You can see he has the hockey IQ. Now it's going to be a matter of sort of finding out his line mates. Now the game one is under his belt. He can sort of relax and just focus on playing his game. The other thing is the Hawks called him up Friday night after they beat the Blue Jackets and he didn't get a practice. The Hawks did not practice on Saturday or Sunday. They were just optional skates. So Kirby Doc didn't really get a full practice in with his line mates or anything like that. So now that he's played a game, hopefully today he'll get a practice in before Tuesday's game against the Golden Knights and feel a little more comfortable 
And look, those first game jitters will be out of the way. You know, his parents are at the game. All eyes are on him. He starts the game uh, opening shift after the anthem. It's a big moment for an 18-year-old kid. So, sure, of course, we'd all like to see him make more of an impact in his first game. But overall, I think he was very solid. Some nice defensive plays from him during the course of the game as well. He went back and back-checked a number of times. So, nothing that I saw concerns me. And I do think the points will start to come. And they'll, they'll get there for Kirby Doc. Did not do well in face-offs. And we know he was struggling there in Rockford. He only won one and lost four. And you saw him as the game went on sort of move to the wing with Dylan Strom taking the face-off. Strom, by the way, won five and only lost two, 71%. Great bounce back for him. And a good night for the Hawks overall. They won 59% of their face-offs. But so far, so good from Kirby Doc. I liked what I saw. I was encouraged by what I saw. I think the Hawks played certainly well enough to win. And again, you have these sort of weird happenings that get the Capitals back in the game. First of all, that Alex Ovechkin goal to make it 3-1 to one was just insane. There's a handful of players in the game that can make that play. Great pass from Carlson, and Ovechkin just blasts a one-timer. Crawford had no chance. Later in the game, Crawford stopped Ovechkin on another one-timer that was just insane. But it's 3-1, and it's looking bad. Then you've got the Kubelik goal after that line again goes insane. <laughs> Listen to this. Dominic Kubelik had 10 shots on goal Sunday night. 10 shots on goal for a third liner. That's insane. So he gets the goal, his second of the season. Then Alex Nylander makes a nice play, his second assist of the night, taking the puck away and sending Patrick Kane Really nice read from Newlander to pick off that pass and then send Kane the other way. He also had the beautiful setup on the first goal for the Blackhawks where Carpenter seals the puck from Gudis. Kajula misses a chance, but on the same shift, Newlander finds a puck in front of uh, Holpe after a Carpenter shot and just puts a soft little backhand to Kajula who puts it in net. That's the sort of stuff you can't teach. And for all the wringing of hands over... Alex Nylander's defensive game, that offense is is top-notch. He knows what to do offensively, and I think his defensive game is catching up. I think he had a really another solid game tonight. We're going to get to him when we get into the numbers later on, but another good game for Alex Nylander, and we sort of speculated last week that maybe Zach Smith would be the guy to sit, and that was the case. Zach Smith did not play this game. He was the odd man out for Kirby Doc, and I don't really have a problem with that. That's what we've talked about. From day one on Lockdown Blackhawks is, will Jeremy Cowton play veterans simply because they're veterans, or is he going to play the guys who deserve to play? Right now, Alex Nylander deserves to play. Kirby Doc's here, so I think he has to play, and he did nothing on Sunday night, in my mind, to lose any playing time whatsoever. So, if there's one beef I have about this game, I thought the Hawks' power play was pretty bad. Um, Duncan Keith, in particular... Uh, had a couple really bad entries where just his passes weren't on the money, and it ends up costing you 40, 50 seconds having to chase the puck back, regroup, restart. I think Alex Dabrinkit, throughout the course of the game, but also on the power play, was always looking for that extra pass here and there. Just get it on net. We just saw Friday night when the Hawks beat the Blue Jackets. All it takes is a shot. It hits Jonathan Taves in the butt and goes in the net, and the Hawks win a game they probably didn't have any business winning. Maybe you throw a couple more. Instead of trying to look for that extra pass and maybe you get a win that you did deserve on Sunday. So I don't know. I, I'm not too I can't be too mad about it. It's a game they just lost. 
It's going to happen over the course of the season. And if they play every game like they played Sunday night, the Hawks are going to be in really, really good shape. Time to recap the pluses and minuses as we do after every game. The Hawks lose 5-3 to the Capitals, but not too many minuses after this one. Let's start with the pluses. The first plus. Kirby Doc is here. We can stop speculating on where he'll play, when he'll play, what position he'll play, who he'll play with, and how he'll play. Now we can just break him down like any other player. Finally. Finally, finally, it's been since June that Blackhawks fans have waited to see Kirby Doc play for the Blackhawks in a game that matters, and Sunday night they finally got their chance. Overall, pretty positive. Yes, it would have been nice to see him score or get pick up a couple points, but his game was solid. You saw what the Blackhawks saw in him, and very encouraged by what I saw from Kirby Doc on Sunday night. The second plus goes to Dominic Kubalik, scoring his second goal of the season. He had 10 shots on goal and 14 shot attempts. That's right. 10 shots on goal and 14 shot attempts. That is good for a 73.53 five-on-five five Corsi percentage. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's really, really good. You want to look at Fenwick? It was 76%. An outstanding game for Dominic Kubelik. Him and Brandon Saad were actually tied with 73.53 in the Corsi 4 and 76% overall uh, for the team at even strength. Both those guys, absolutely outstanding tonight. But Kubelik especially, a goal, 10 shots, 14 shot attempts. He was a factor all night on Sunday night. The third plus goes to Alex Nylander, who picked up a pair of points. In the loss, he played 13 minutes and 12 seconds of ice time. Saw him on the ice for towards the end of the game in more crunch time. So you're seeing the ice time go up. Jeremy Cowden is noticing the improvements that Alex Nylander is making. That's good. That's a good thing because you want players to be rewarded for playing well. I don't think there's any question aside from that game that Alex Nylander had against San Jose. San Jose. That was a bad game. There's no doubt about it, and he was scratched the next game because of it. Since then, he's responded to that benching, and he's been really, really good in the limited ice time he ha he's had. So that's another big, big plus for me from Sunday night. My third plus goes to the Blackhawks in the faceoff circle. Did a really good job winning 59% of their faceoffs. I mentioned Kirby Doc won one and lost four. David Camp was the only other Hawk under 50%. He lost seven and won six, so that's 46%, but he was basically right about even. Dylan Strom uh, was 71%, and Ryan Carpenter won 10 and lost two, 83% on evening. Jonathan Taves won 10, lost seven, 59%. Taves was especially winning a lot of those draws late in the game when it really, really mattered when the Hawks had the, the net empty and were trying to tie things up. Jonathan Taves really came through at the faceoff dot there, so a solid Overall performance at the dot for the Blackhawks on Sunday night. Now let's get to the minuses. Just gave Jonathan Taves credit for his work at the faceoff dot. Otherwise, a pretty down game for Jonathan Taves. He was minus three. He had two shots on goal and three shot attempts. You need more from your top line center. And 
I shared that troubling stat the other day uh, from Ben Pope, and if you missed it, let me pull it up here real quick. It's uh, it's kind of harrowing when you hear the way Jonathan Taves is comparing to some other players in the league. This tweet was sent on Thursday, so it does not include Sunday's game against the Capitals or Friday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but as of Thursday, this is from Ben Pope, 391 forwards across the NHL have played at least 20 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Jonathan Taves ranks 390th and scoring chances allowed per minute. Listen to that again. 391 forwards across the NHL have played at least 20 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Jonathan Taves ranks 390th in scoring chances allowed per minute. That's really bad. And I don't think he's playing quite as badly as the number would suggest. But Jonathan Taves absolutely has to be better. There's no doubt about it. He is my first minus of the game. Second minus goes to Andrew Shaw, who took another offensive zone penalty. I think he's done that at least a offensive zone or neutral zone penalty in every game this season. It's not effective. It's not helping. It's not building energy. If you just grab a guy with the arm and pull him down, that's not the object of playing physically. If you want to finish a check on somebody and maybe you get too much when we get a charge, Maybe you could tell me that down the road that will pay off. Maybe, maybe, maybe if guys are looking over their shoulder, fine. But these neutral zone and offensive zone penalties from Andrew Shaw have to stop. They have to. The Blackhawks penalty kill is not good enough to overcome that night after night after night. Andrew Shaw takes that penalty at 9-17. And the Washington Capitals make it one nothing. At 9.25. Eight seconds later. Stop with the offensive zone penalties, Andrew Shaw. My third minus of the game goes to the exterminators at the United Center. Clearly, there is a termite problem happening in the building. Eddie Olchek pointed it out, and I noticed it before that. Sticks were breaking all over the place Sunday night. It was absurd. I've never seen... So much lumber on the ice in my life. It was crazy. I think Pat Foley said it too, that he's never seen a game quite like that where there were so many broken sticks. Uh, It was really unbelievable. So call a new exterminator, United Center. We got to get these sticks fixed because who knows? If if Alex Dabrinkit's stick doesn't shatter on that scoring chance, well, we know for a fact they're not going to get a two-on-one the other way. The Capitals and score on it. There's at least a shot on goal or a shot attempt. That stick just disintegrated, and seconds later, the Caps are off to the races, and that was a game-changing moment at the time. So uh, get a new exterminator at the United Center. It's Mailbag Monday on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Got lots of great emails, got a voicemail, got some tweets, so let's get right to it while we still have time first email comes from Chris Varenzi. He says, what's the likelihood we'll see Boquist in the NHL this season, and how much of an impact does the upcoming Seattle empty entry draft play into the decisions of playing Doc or Boquist in the NHL? I don't think that the Seattle thing has anything to do with Doc or Boquist playing in the league this year. That doesn't make much of a difference at all. Boquist will absolutely be part of things this year. I think as soon as a defenseman gets hurt, he's going to get called up. He might get a look sooner. If you start to see some of these veteran guys really fall off or 
if Eric Gustafson continues to be accident prone and and cost the team, you might see him scratch too. And I know it sounds crazy to have a 60-point guy, he had 60 points last year, scratched. But look, that two-on-one that the Capitals scored Sunday night on the, on the Hawks' four-minute power play, yeah, Debrinket's stick broke. But Eric Gustafson didn't need to put a rocket between the legs of Patrick Kane. Bad phrasing. Anyway, he didn't have to put a bad pass between the legs of Patrick Kane that he couldn't handle. That was the real problem. It wasn't the broken stick. Yeah, the broken stick was bad, but Gustafson got the puck and had a chance. He set it to the other point, and if Kane can't corral it, nobody can. It was a bad play. It led to a two-on-one and a goal the other way. So Gustafson needs to be better, and I assure you that Adam Boquist will be part of things this season. Next up, let's go to the voicemail line, 708-653-0572, if you want to leave me a voicemail. This from Ian Dowling of Wales. Hi, Jay. Uh, congrats on the, the lockdown gig. Um, long-time listener, ah, based in Wales in the UK. My question is this. Given that Gustafsson is absolutely terrible defensively and Boquist is waiting in the wings, would what would you expect to get back from him should the Blackhawks trade for him or what would you rather what would you prefer to get back for him would you want a like for like D-man would you be happy with picks or would you want some offensive help or maybe somebody who can add a bit more even more of a physical element anyway just thought I'd uh, submit that for you I hope it gets through okay keep up the good work Ian thanks so much for the voicemail and you may be wondering how did Ian leave a voicemail Maybe you've tried to call the 708-653-0572 number from Canada or overseas and it didn't work. What Ian did was record his voice on his voice memos app on his phone and he emailed it to LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. So if you don't want to call the phone number, just pull out your phone, put that voice memos thing on there, record your question and just email it. Really simple. Don't have to make a phone call that way. And as you heard, the sound quality is perfect. So the question, what's a fair expectation in trade for Eric Gustafson? I think the fact that he is an impending free agent is going to mean the Hawks will have to settle for draft picks. I would think if you were to get a third-round pick, you'd probably be pretty happy with that. I know it doesn't sound like much, but I don't know if the league was really fooled by what Gustafson showed last year. Yes, he had a huge point production. Yes, he's a guy that will help your power play, absolutely. But I think it was a little bit of an outlier, what we saw from Gustafson last season. I still think he'll have, you know, maybe 40, 45 points this year. Uh, but I don't think he's a 60-point guy annually. And if somebody thinks he is and wants to give you a prospect or wants to give you a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you take that trade today. Because like Ian said, Adam Boquist is waiting. And right now I'd say him and Gustafson are awash offensively. Maybe even give the edge to Boquist a little bit. And defensively? Can Boquist really be worse than Gustafson? He's at least faster, so if he makes a big mistake, he can go chase it down like Duncan Keith used to do back in the day. I'm ready. I'm ready now to look at Adam Boquist. I don't think there's any more reason to wait. I think that he has shown uh, from everything we Look, he almost made the team last year. So, you know, to say that he's not ready now, I think is I think it's silly. Uh, I know there's a log jam in the organization, and look, the Hawks' defense has been okay this year. They haven't been as brutal as a lot of us expected, but uh, I think at the first sign of trouble, Adam Bocas will be here. Next, let's go to the Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks. Eric Ratzer 
writes, besides rookie Kirby Doc, we've not heard of other rookies as much as him. If you had a list of top five or so rookies with Kirby Doc as number one, who would fill the next few spots? Well, we obviously mentioned Anna Boquist, a uh, supremely talented uh, defenseman with huge offensive talent. The defensive game is coming around for sure. Uh, next on the list would be Ian Mitchell, who uh, went back to Denver this year to play in college, and he could potentially join the team um, after his season wraps up. I don't know. If, I mean, if Boquist is here, I'm not sure where you're going to put Ian Mitchell to, but that's that's their next highest pro- prospect. After Doc and after Boquist, it's Ian Mitchell. From there, uh, a lot of people are high in Nicholas Bodan, who was drafted uh, the same year as um, Boquist in 2018. I've not loved what I've seen from Bodan so far. In the prospects camp and things like that, he hasn't really stood out to me. I haven't been impressed with him, but that's a guy that, if you're asking people, they would probably tell you is high on the list. Philip Kurashev, uh, a Swiss center. He looks like an NHL player when you watch him in camp. I'm not sure he projects to be a top-line guy, but I think in a year or two you could see him fill out the bottom six somewhere. And you also have uh, a big defenseman I'm excited about they drafted this year, Alex Vlasic, 6-6. He is a uh, cousin of uh, San Jose Sharks defenseman Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, just a shutdown guy. Defensive defenseman. Obviously, at 6-6, he's going to play a physical game. Even if he's not chasing down physicality, a guy that big is going to add just by being that size. So to me, those are the top. There's some other guys. Evan Barrett's on the list. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, who's actually the goalie uh, in Rockford, along with... Um, Calvin Delia, and we saw early in the season this year to Alexi Sorella, who is acquired in the Calvin DeHaan trade. I think you'll see him up this year as well. I think Alexi Sorella has some NHL scoring ability, and we'll see him uh, up with the big club before things are all said and done. I think if a top six guy gets hurt, I would expect him to be the first guy called up. Next question to the email account that's locked on Blackhawks at gmail.com comes from Ed Brooks. He says, why not try Nylander on the second power play unit? With his high-end skills, it makes a lot of sense. I would be okay with fourth-line use if he got power play time. Not a bad idea by any means. I would like to see, if I'm if I'm considering a change to the power play, I'm putting Dominic Kubelik on the top unit and maybe moving Dylan Strom out. I haven't been super impressed with what I've seen from, from Strom this year. I'm not saying he's going to be bad or he's off to a bad start, but... I think just having a guy with that shooting ability out there with Taves and Kane, just like Panarin did when Panarin was here, just waiting for that one-timer. And I know Kubelik and Kane are both right wings, but Kane is flexible enough where he can move all over. And Kubelik, even if you want to put him on a point, isn't a horrible idea. With that shot, I think Kubelik needs to get out there on the power play more. But look, Alex Nylander has shown, you, Ed said it, the high-end skill is absolutely there. So I'm I'm for it. I'm for looking for some different things in the power play. But if I'm making one move right now, it's putting Kubelik out there with that first unit. Next question from Louis Zanoni. He says, how does Kirby Doc compare to Kyle Beach? Ooh, after Beach was drafted as an 18-year-old. I think the question is valid because both are larger forwards, nimble skaters with good hands and top 12 picks. Kyle Beach is a total bust. Total, total bust. If you guys aren't aware of Kyle Beach, he was drafted... Uh, by Dale Talon. Let me look up the year off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. Um, in 2008, he was the 11th overall pick and just never 
it never panned out for him in the NHL. There were some questions about his character for a long time. Uh, he just was not not an NHL player, and he did not play a single game in the National Hockey League. That's crazy. The 11th overall pick did not play a single game in the NHL. Here's where I think you get your comparisons of Kirby Doc and Kyle Beach. Both were drafted in the first round. Both are big. Both were drafted by the Blackhawks. That, to me, is really the only comparison I see to, to Kyle Beach so far. The character of Kirby Doc is uh, is very, very good. I met him a couple days after the draft, and I was just unbelievably impressed by how polished he was. Next question uh, from the Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks. What's the player comparison for Kirby Doc? That's a good question. And uh, when I saw that question earlier, I wanted to sort of spend some time thinking about it. And the two guys I came up with are actually members of the Winnipeg Jets. Blake Wheeler was the first guy I thought of. Big size, skill player, doesn't play an overly physical game. He's a winger, though. Mark Shifley is a center, a big center. Um, again, he's a pretty good skater for a guy his size. I don't know if Doc is quite that good of a skater yet. But as he grows into his body, I think Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler type is a pretty reasonable expectation for Kirby Doc. If he reaches the place where the Blackhawks think he's going to reach, I think that's a pretty good projection on where you can expect Kirby Doc to be. One more email comes from Dan Novak again, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. His question is, what does Taves do well? And my initial response to that was I was a little bit frustrated because Jonathan Taves is a surefire Hall of Famer. He's a huge part of why the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups. He's given his heart and soul for this team. He's probably given his long-term health for this team. But right now, he's not doing much of anything well. He is off to a really bad start this season. Uh, I don't know why. That Tom Wilson goal where Seabrook fell down, that was Taves' man. Taves has to be there. And that cop goal in the Winnipeg game that looked very similar to the Wilson goal in front, that was Taves' guy too. I don't know if he's not grasping the Cowlton system, but he's struggling way, way too much for a guy with the pedigree that Jonathan Taves has. He has to be better. He absolutely has to be better. And he would tell you the same thing. There's no doubt about it. He would tell you the same thing. But that 4-3 game-winning goal, Tom Wilson was Taves' guy. Eddie Olchek broke it down very well. It was right there in plain sight. Taves needs to be better if the Blackhawks are going to have a successful season. All right, that's going to do it for this Monday edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. Tomorrow is game day. The Blackhawks will take on the Vegas Golden Knights. We will talk about that game. We also have the NHL player survey that The Athletic did where some players talk about who's overrated, who's underrated, who they'd like to play with, who they wouldn't like to play for, etc. We're going to go over that list on Tuesday's podcast as well. So don't miss it. Again, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. You're obviously listening to podcasts, but tell a friend about Lockdown Blackhawks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast. I just downloaded the Pocket Cast app. Man, that is really nice, really easy to use. Um, so, yeah, check check us out on there. I really love that. But anywhere, anything helps. Those, rate, those ratings, the five-star ratings, of course, subscriptions, all those things are really, really great for the podcast. Again, leave me a voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Until Tuesday, this is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.